Hey there, educational rock stars. Are you feeling overwhelmed with lesson planning for your English language learners? Well, I've got some exciting news for you. Introducing our upcoming free webinar, Simplify Your Approach, Three Time-Saving Routines for ELL Success. Join me for a power-packed 45 minutes that's set to revolutionize your teaching strategy. In this webinar, we'll dive into three practical, easy-to-implement routines that will not only enhance your ELL teaching methods, but also save you hours of planning time. Yes, hours. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, these insights are tailored to help everyone make the most of their teaching time. Plus, you'll leave this webinar ready to implement these routines the next day. So mark your calendars for our two upcoming dates. I don't want you to miss this opportunity to transform your ELL lesson planning. To reserve your spot, simply sign up at www.equippingells.com slash routines. Trust me, your future self will thank you for it. I'll see you at the webinar. Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Boucher, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. Hey, Jana, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you could join me today. Hi, Beth. Thanks for having me. This is just one of my favorite things about podcasting is getting to meet people from all over. And so Jana is someone that has reached out and she's an ESL teacher. She'll share more about that in a minute and just had some great ideas of some different things she wanted to share about. So I am just thrilled to have you on today. And this is such an important topic. Today, we're going to be discussing ways that we can really connect and get our ELL families involved in the school. So Jana, why don't you start with just sharing a little bit about your teaching experience and what you're doing right now? Yeah, so I am from Austin, Minnesota. It is a town of about 27,000 people just south of Minneapolis, a couple hours. And our town has changed a lot in the last 15, 20 years. It used to be a very rural town and the diversity in our town has just grown immensely since I was young. And so I grew up there and then I went to college at Luther College in Decorah, Iowa, where I started out as a pre-vet major. And then I quickly learned that lab sciences were not for me. And eight years of that was not going to be fun. So then I kind of changed my major to elementary education, which was my plan B. And I had a professor who was working in New Mexico and Arizona on Native American reservations. And she would tell stories about everything she learned about the different cultures down there and different languages. And that really kind of inspired me to want to learn more about teaching and culturally relevant teaching. I also had another professor who had adopted two girls from China and she 
connected us with a school in China where we got to tutor high school students from China as college students. And that was really eye-opening for me to try and plan to have Skype meetings with this high school student in China and try to work around time zones. So that's really what inspired me to want to become an ESL teacher. And then, you know, she told me you don't have to be fluent in another language to teach ESL because there's lots of different languages out there. So I know a little bit of Spanish and a little bit of German, but I'm not fluent in either one. So once I became an ESL teacher, I moved back to my hometown of Austin where I taught at an intermediate school, which is fifth and sixth grade, for three years. And then after that, I decided it was kind of time for a change, and I wanted to try out elementary, too. So then I moved to an elementary school, where I'm at now, and I teach first through fourth grade ESL there. It's mostly pull-out groups, whereas at the intermediate school, I was doing more co-teaching, but now I'm doing pull-out. That's wonderful. I love hearing that story. And I think a lot of the listeners can relate with you. I know I have, you know, people from rural Iowa and rural Wisconsin who really did not grow up having a diverse community and now are seeing an influx of of people from all over. So it's such a fascinating story to hear just where you're at now and how you're helping your community really embrace the diversity that's happening. So that's really exciting. All right. So let's dive in, Jana, because we have a lot to share today about engaging those families. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about your experience and, and why it's important to engage ELL families and connect them with the school setting? I think it's really important for parents to be involved in kids' education because We're on kind of two different sides, but we're also working together. So parents are going to know things that are different than what a teacher knows, and a teacher is going to know things different than what a parent might see in a child because they could act differently around different adults. I think it's important because it helps you better understand the needs of kids. As teachers, we can give parents advice as to how they might be able to help their kids because we've studied things like the developmental stages But then on the flip side, the parents know more things about what the child might really be like at home. So I think it's just a good way to help each other out and to best meet the needs of the child. And it also helps teachers because in school, we don't always see everything that's going on behind closed doors. And if we're communicating with parents, then we can better understand really what that child needs. Absolutely. Hey teachers, I'm interrupting this episode to ask you a quick question. How different would your life be if you could confidently plan effective and engaging lessons for your yellow students in a fraction of the time? I created my membership equipping ELLs to do just that. When you join, you gain instant access to the exact resources you need, proven and prepped for you, plus a supportive private community of like-minded educators. Join us today at www.equippingells.com. Now back to the episode. You know, I always say that we're not just educating our ELL student, we're really impacting the whole family, the community, their, their family back home. I mean, it's really such an incredible opportunity 
to change this family dynamic. This, you know, you're really helping not just that student, but you're helping that family adjust to a new culture, learn how they can go to the doctor, what they, how they can get help if they need it. I mean, there's so many opportunities to really help this family. So it's exciting to not just really see the student, but really see the whole family, the whole community that you're helping through this one student that you're working with. And so it's exactly what you said. It's so important that we we really help our ELL families see that they're wanted, that they're welcomed in the school, even if they don't speak the language. I know that's a lot of the barrier sometimes is, oh, if I don't speak the language, how can I come into the school and be a part of the community? And so I love I can't wait to dive into the, some of the ideas you have of ways that we can really help our families feel connected, even if they don't speak the language. Absolutely. So why don't we dive in? We're going to talk about five different ways that you can help connect those ELL families into your school and different opportunities you can provide. And then Jana's also shared a blog post that I'll be posting on inspiringyounglearners.com where you can read five more ideas. So there's a lot of ideas we're going to be sharing with you. So get ready to get your, your ideas ready and excited of ways that this these ideas will work in your school because every environment is different. So not all of them work with you, but you're I know you're going to take away a few that are definitely ones that you're going to want to try this year. So why don't you get started and share some of those ideas with us? Sure. So the first one that I have is starting with the invitations. You know, I think a lot of times we might send something out without really thinking about how others might interpret it or if others are going to be able to really understand it in the same way that we do. So really think about what's on your invitations. Are they visually appealing? Do they have the information presented in a way that's understandable for all people? So one thing that we've done at my schools is on our invitations, we have not only put in words, but put in pictures. For example, like we've put a picture of the calendar and circled the date in which the meeting was going to take place or the event was going to take place. And then same thing with the time, like you could put a picture of a clock and you could circle the time that the meeting is going to take place. You could even put on there pictures of what's going to happen at the meetings. Like if you're going to play games, if there's going to be speakers, if there's going to be food, put all those pictures on there so that when the parent sees that invitation, they can understand too what is going to happen at the meeting instead of just seeing words. And, you know, if if they're not able to read in English, that would be really difficult to try and understand what's going. So invitations, you really have to think about how is everyone going to understand that? You might even want to throw in a phone call too. have an interpreter call the family and and just remind them verbally as well. The second thing yeah, let me. I, I love that idea, Jana, of just starting there with the invitation because I think there's so many things as native speakers we we don't think about of what you know could really cause some stress for these parents. And I love that just kind of setting that expectation, just like our students need, and they they feel so much more comfortable when they know here's what's to expect. The same with the parents, if they know, oh, there's gonna be food at this event, or this is an event to bring your kids to, or this is an event just for parents. You know, trying to highlight those things ahead of time is going to really help them feel comfortable. I know I, my daughters went to a Spanish preschool. And even though I know Spanish, it still was always stressful when I get something sent home. And it was just a bunch of words. And it's like, okay, is this something that my kids I should bring the kids to? Or this is just for parents or, you know, star of the week, what is it that she needs to bring in every day? Am I understanding this correctly? Even though I really have a good foundation in Spanish, it's just you're second guessing yourself all the time. So I love that tip. 
of adding in those visuals to really help clarify here's here's what we're doing we'd love to have you there i love that yeah that's a really interesting connection wow <laughs> yeah it's it's hard to be a second language parent i i i can relate even though i have a good family <laughs> Spanish, but it's it's different when it's not your native language. So, all right, jump into number two for us. Okay, the second one is food. Food really brings people together. And if you have food, people will typically come. I think food is a pretty enticing thing for all people. But when we think about food at our family events, I think we also have to think about culturally relevant food. What's going to be the food that people are are going to be used to or people are going to actually like because if you have a very culturally diverse population not everyone is going to know what certain foods are or like those foods even so something we've done in the past is ordered from the a place in town called Vietnamese top noodle and we have brought in noodles and rice and different meats from there we've supported our local businesses through this there are a lot of different cultural restaurants and businesses that are kind of up and coming in our town. So by doing this, we're helping them be successful as well as helping our event be successful and making our families feel comfortable and wanted in our school. Another thing that we've done is we've had a Christmas celebration where we had hot chocolate and different really relevant foods that happen to do with the Christmas season. We've also done other things like boba tea and just some other foods that, you know, might not be the normal for us, but they might be the normal for other people. So having foods that really make people feel wanted and make people feel like they are important too, I think is important. Yes. Yes. I love that. It's just, I mean, what a great way to show that you're open to other cultures, even, you know, if rice and noodles might not be what you eat every night for dinner, but having that in your school as a way to welcome families, that's going to be such a great way to do that. And I know too, just even offering that and reaching out to some of the parents who maybe some of them really would love to get on board with this. They might not be able to, you know, speak English that well, but maybe just offering that translating some sort of paper that goes home and saying, Hey, would you like to come in and share a dish from your culture with us? And, and do it like you're saying with that holidays around the world, opening that up for engagement that way. Whereas I know when I was teaching at international school in Panama, I mean, we had so many parents who would love to bring in dishes from their home country. That was such a way for them to get to share about other, about their culture without having to have that, you know, ability to speak all the time about it. So it was such a great way. Like you're saying, food is a is the way to people's hearts. <laughs> yeah. And I know I was I was talking with my class one day and they were just sharing different foods that they eat. And it it's just so fun to see them get so excited about the food that they eat at home. And like if you just pull up sometimes I would just pull up a picture of of something that was a little bit different, like rice balls or, you know, just something random. I would have it up on Google and they would see it and they would just be like, oh my gosh, like we eat those all the time. And it's just so fun to see them get excited about food. That's wonderful. I love that. And also, I love that idea of supporting small businesses, you know, and seeing if there's anybody in your community, maybe you have a student whose parent is opening a new restaurant that you could support or or just even supporting the businesses and connecting people that way. I love that idea as well. Yeah. Are you ready for number three? Do it. Yep. Go for it. Okay. 
Number three is having some community guest speakers. You could pull people from all kinds of different areas in your community to come and talk about different things going on or different things that families could be involved in. I know sometimes schools send home flyers for certain things like sports or activities, but again, you know, those aren't always comprehensible to all families. So by having someone come in and personally talk about those activities, I think you could really get more families on board and more families involved and just make it accessible for all families. For example, in our school, we had someone from the YMCA come and talk one time, and we were really fortunate because she was bilingual, so she just talked in in Spanish to our Spanish families. We had someone from the library come and talk to our families one time about different activities that were going on at the library. She talked about some different apps that they have and some different programs they have for learning English in case some of the parents wanted to learn English as well for free. She talked about different summer programming. She talked about all the different things you can rent at our library, like Wi-Fi hotspots, just things that are good for people to know are resources that are there for them if they might not have them. We also had someone from Park and Recreation come talk at our meetings about different activities going on in the summer. Like we have a rolling rec mobile in our town where somebody kind of drives around to the different parks in town and they have different sporting equipment and games that kids can play with in the summertime just to kind of keep them busy, keep them out of trouble, keep them engaged and having fun in the summertime which a lot of parents didn't know about. They were really surprised to hear that that was something that they could have their kids go to in the summer. And I think it was really cool for a lot of parents to hear that that was available if they were working during the day. They could, you know, send their kid off to the park to be with an adult who is willing to work with them and just be a good role model or mentor. That is so cool. I I love that idea of just, I mean, I think... Again, if we have not experienced what it's like, you know, to live in another country, to not know the language, to be new, what our ELL families are experiencing, it's hard for us to really think through what is it that would be really helpful. I think, you know, we just underestimate sometimes something so simple as I love that having a librarian and saying, here's here's what we have available to you. I know in Panama, they don't even have libraries. So that's something that like, parents might not even know that there's this building that has free books that you can check out that you get a free library card. I mean, that's just powerful to really share that information with the parents and having somebody in to be able to share that and all the opportunities available. I think that's one of the most incredible gifts of the United States is all these opportunities that, you know, are right there in their town, in their neighborhood. And I love, love that idea. I was just thinking as you were talking, because I know for, I know some teachers are some people might be listening to this and going, okay, that's a lot of work though to have somebody in and to get the parents in. You know, just thinking through those things of how can you overcome those hurdles of maybe providing childcare then so parents can come in, having that translator available, like you said, or even having just doing maybe like a monthly video call with somebody so parents can watch at home, but still providing that opportunity for them to see different ways to connect within the community, I think would be awesome as well. Absolutely. These are such great ideas, Jana. Thanks. They're just 
so many different ways we can help these our families really connect within the school and in the community. So let's hear number four. Okay, number four is having some kind of an academic activity or some kind of a take-home activity that families can learn or be involved with. And one thing academic that we did at one of our meetings, we have an app that we use with our kids called A to Z Kids. Sometimes we call it RAS Kids. And it's something that the kids can do in school. Um, Another app that we use a lot in our school is Imagine learning for language learning and the kids know how to use these apps and they help the kids work on their listening speaking reading not so much writing but listening speaking and reading a lot and so we had the parents bring their devices at one of our meetings so we put a picture on the invitation of like an ipad or a laptop or a cell phone and we had them bring their device so that we could teach them how they could download this app onto their device so the kids could practice at home too, because that's something that we hear a lot like at conferences from our diverse families is how do we teach or work with our kids at home? How can we help them at home? I think a lot of people don't don't know how to help kids their kids at home. You know, even families that do speak English have a hard time with that. So I can't imagine speaking another language and trying to figure out how you can help without speaking that language. That's got to be really difficult. So we showed them how to use those apps and gave them all the login information. The school pays for it so they didn't have to pay any money or anything. I think some of them were a little confused on how to work their cell phones. So that was another kind of barrier that we learned was that not all of our families knew how to really use their cell phones besides making a phone call. So I just thought it was a great way to work with our parents and kind of show them different ways that you can help the kids at home too. We've also done some different take-home activities, like we've sent home a deck of cards with kids because there are so many different math games that are kind of universal through numbers that you can play without knowing English. We've sent home some different reading activities. We've purchased books before where we sent every family home with a book. Some of them were in Spanish, some of them in English, some of them were in both languages. We've ordered some Karen Kareni books because we have a very large Karen and Kareni population in our school. So just kind of helping parents learn how you can help your kid at home as well, I think is really important. Wow. I love that. I love how you are really looking at what might be a hindrance to the parents doing this at home and helping them overcome that that hindrance you know as simple as downloading the app logging in we know that that's really complicated for everybody <laughs> and i love that and just having a parent night even for your monolingual students you know hey come in bring your devices we'll help you get set up with these things or you know even as simple as okay let's let's show you the emails that you should be expecting from us or whatever your form of communication is and that same having a tech night of okay or we're going to we use talking points here's how you download this here's how you're going to get this here's here's what you should expect that you're going to receive it in this way so that it helps them to really have clear expectations of okay I should know that the school will communicate with me this way, or here's what my student, my child can do at home for 20 minutes. That's going to be really helpful for them. You know, I, I just love that. That's so clear and easy, but powerful to really help them 
be successful and do some supporting at home with them. So I love that. All right, let's hear number five. Okay, number five is communicating important dates and having a question and answer session. We usually send out important dates through Facebook or parent portal is one thing that our school uses or sometimes through written notice, but it's typically only in English. So if you have family meetings or events for your multilingual families, this can be a way where you can kind of restate those important dates that are happening in school or reminders verbally and in the family's own native language. Uh, For example, you might want to include dates that are coming up, like if you don't have school for a couple of days, I know that's one thing that a lot of our multilingual families have a lot of questions about. Like I'll have kids come to school and I remember just before the holiday break, they were just mind blown that we didn't have school for a whole week or even just sometimes a random day where we might have a snow day or an early release. Some families don't find that normal. Some families aren't used to that. So telling them in person could be really powerful. Also, if you have different like dress up weeks, I think that's really important to communicate verbally with families for maybe like homecoming or at our school, we do kind of a week before winter break where we have different dress up days. So that might be kind of weird to some families. So if you can explain that in person and in a way that's accessible to them, that would help them better comprehend, you know, what's going on at school and why does my kid have to wear this on this day? Or why are they telling me that we don't have school next week all week? You could also communicate important dates like access testing. If your state is a WIDA state, that might be a good time to explain what is access, how can I help prepare for that? And then the other thing is opening the floor to the family. If they have questions, this would be kind of a safe place where they could ask them. I know a lot of our Karen, Kareni, or Asian families oftentimes don't feel comfortable asking questions or calling the school. So they feel more comfortable when they're in a group of like peers. So if we have our Karen or Kareni interpreter there to tell them this information and then let them ask questions. They would feel a lot more comfortable asking the interpreter rather than a teacher because sometimes they feel like they can't ask questions or that they're not good enough or, you know, or professional enough to ask a question to a teacher, which, which is sad, but that's, that's how they feel sometimes. So having someone that they feel comfortable talking to and asking those questions would really let us know what questions they do have and how we can really truly help them. Absolutely. And sometimes just culturally, you know, the teacher or parent, there's just a respect that they feel like if they ask a question, it's being disrespectful and really that, you know, they respect what the teacher has to say and they don't want to come off that way. So it's it's exactly really common. Oh, that's wonderful. And I think, too, now that I'm a, a parent and have kids in school, the more times you can remind parents, the better. Because- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very true. So I was like, oh, really? I didn't know that. I read everything. They're like, oh, it's in the newsletter. Oh, well, it was like a small, you know, I mean, we expect parents to really read and digest and see. And it's like when you have multiple kids and a lot going on, quick shout outs like that in the parent portal or in talking points and their native language, things like that. It's always helpful. So, yeah, I cannot imagine how you do that with kids. I don't have any kids of my own, but <laughs> oh my God. it's always helpful to have those quick reminders. So. 
those, I mean, yeah, there's just so many different ideas now stemming from those five tips that are, I know are going to be so helpful for the listeners. Have you seen just an, an increased engagement with the parents of your students as you have, you know, implemented a lot of these different things? Yes. Oh my gosh. Like I could go to a conference with a family, but as an EL teacher, I think it's kind of hard to really connect with the families at conferences because you're not the classroom teacher. So sometimes you don't get to say everything you want to say. And same thing with, I don't think the parents get to really talk with us as much as they might want to, because there's a lot of things that have to be covered at conferences by the classroom teacher, which are also very important. So having these family nights really allows you time to connect with them. Like we get to play games together. We get to talk about food. They get to ask all their questions that they have. We get to meet their whole family. Like everyone brings all their little siblings. And then, you know, you might have those siblings in your class a couple years later. So then you get to see the family again and again, and you really start to become a family from these events. Absolutely. This whole podcast series that I'm doing right now is called Small Steps to Success because I think we feel like there's so much that we have to do to try to help these students. And really, it's just breaking it down and saying, what are those small steps that I can take this year? You know, you don't, if you've never done a parent night for our listeners, you might just want to start small, start, you know, by doing a, f- a food night or do a QA or have a bring someone in from the community. Those are small steps you can take that are going to begin to build that connection with the families that are going to in turn be really beneficial for the students, for the school, for the community. And I know, you know, because of my experience living abroad, what happens is you really cling to those people. Like I often spend time with other Americans in Panama because we understand each other. We connect that way. We have other international friends and other Panamanian friends, but a lot of times you connect with people who are you know, very similar in your cultural, in your culture. And so that's what's going to happen too in the schools is you have a lot of the families are going to connect because they speak the same language, because they're the same, you know, similar cultural background. And if you connect and and you start bringing in that one family and they start to tell the other families that they connect with, hey, come to these nights. They're really fun. It's okay if you don't speak English, like they're going to, you're going to have a great time with your kids and you're going to start to see over the years, as you just take those small steps, how now more and more families are involved because you're connecting with those those few families who are going to step out and they're going to come and then it's going to start to be a wildfire that spreads because the other families are going to see that they're welcome, that they're accepted, that they are wanted in the school. And it's going to really, I mean, I think you're going to see year after year an increase in engagement just by doing those few small things. So that's incredible. You're doing incredible things, Jana. And we're <laughs> you to take the time to share them with us. And like I said, we have, she's shared five more ideas in the blog post. We'll link that in the show notes. And thank you so much for taking your time to be with us today. Thanks for having me on. This was fun. All right. Thanks everybody for listening and stay tuned for more small steps to success to help our ELLs succeed. All right. Thanks. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done-for-you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.